Welcome to the CSRG Podcast. My name is Chris. My name is Keanu. Today we're joined by a special guest, David Wampler. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. David Wampler. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I started shooting about four and a half, five years ago. Um, I originally started shooting production. I shot that for about two years. After those two years, I, I shot nationals or USPSA nationals. And about, I don't know, a month after that, I decided to, I was approached, told to shoot open. Nice. Um, open division. So, it's a great division, by the way. Yeah. I Ultimately, I ended up, uh, my goal was to get better at production. And shooting a dot gun kind of allows you, allows you to do a couple different things and really branch out. You can kind of work on your movement. The dot allows you to see certain things in your game that you wouldn't necessarily see right off the bat shooting like an iron-sided gun. So I picked up an open gun. Goal was only to shoot it for about, I don't know, a month, month and a half after nationals when I had some dead time. Well, it turned out open was my wheelhouse. And six months later, I made GM. Nice. So it, it, it really... I mean, that, that's all she wrote. And that's when the real work started. Yeah. After I made <laughs> so you like, have that special card that says G on it and you don't have to paste, right? Well, yeah, pretty much. And I mean, <laughs> just because I get stuck talking with everybody and their mom at the match. But I, I enjoy it. It's fantastic. But I, I will say, like, I'm kind of upset I didn't receive that GM card in the mail. I had to print it off online and laminate it myself. Nice. So. Yeah, but yeah. I'd probably say David's our best open shooter in the state, and so you know, one of the yeah, what yeah, what I mean, what uh, oh. well, yeah, one of the best I'd say. Um, well, I think okay, best. shooting against striving people to. doesn't count. Okay, so, <laughs> striving to. So, so you know, there, know, a new term that I've coined is uh, you can get wample stomped uh, when you shoot a match with them. So that's wample when you, stomped. So when you get beat by like fifteen percent in like twenty seconds in a match. It was a really so. muddy match. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was bad. Yeah. Was bad, yeah. bad. We're checking on Instagram. Pound sign Womble Stomp. Womble Stomp. <laughs> it's gonna be a thing. Um, but yeah, so we're actually here. So Dave is joining us to talk about our, our indoor training. Um, I feel like this is something that's unique specifically to our Northern Virginia area because there really isn't any place for us to shoot outside. This probably goes for any metropolitan area as well. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much have to drive at least an hour, hour and 20 minutes to go to a range that you can do, you know, stuff outside. Otherwise, you're, you're really relegated in the Northern Virginia area to shooting indoors. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I, I know it's not the glamorous thing. You know, you don't really go into Instagram, you know, type in hashtag indoor training and... Pound sign. Pound sign, yeah, or, you know, hashtag life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, one thing I do want to talk about, right, is outdoor training is not the only way to get better. Um, for me specifically, I've probably only shot outdoors for training maybe two or three times in my shooting career so far. I haven't even practiced outdoors this year at all. Um, it's all been indoors. And I know the three of us all go to the same range. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I don't know about y'all. I've shot like 14,000 rounds this year so far. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you this. At least half of those, three quarters of those, indoors. Yeah. No way. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And yeah. I know we know, we know you've uh, kind of turned your uh, indoor practice into your bread and butter. Yep. So do you want us to tell us a little bit, like, you know, how you go about it? Because I know uh, we, we were talking earlier and you said you, you have a, a different mindset to it. So, yeah, I mean, a long time ago, um, well, a long time ago, last year, I had, a, I had a struggle of a match where I was really, my accuracy suffered. And I really had to go back to the drawing board and I was trying to just figure out exactly what I had to do in order to get my, I mean, I was shooting very fast. I was moving around, I was shooting, like running and gunning, but my accuracy just wasn't, wasn't on par. Um, my raw times were there with the top guys, but my accuracy suffered. So anyway, like 
you know, running around outside is fantastic, but I have an indoor range two minutes from where I work. And at that time, I was, able, I was very fortunate to be able to practice outside um, where, where I was employed. Um, since then, I've, I've lost that opportunity. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But, it, I mean, it is what it is. It, mm-hmm. You know, life happen, you know, happens. Yeah. Anyway, so I used to get really upset like when I'd be stuck going indoors. Like I was always like, oh, man, I really want to practice outside. I want to be not dynamic. I want to really do different stuff, like, you know, distance change-up stuff. I don't want to be relegated to shooting on one target down one straight lane in a booth. Let you alone, want look, you want to look cool practicing. Yeah, let Talk alone for the gram. You know, we shoot for the gram. Exactly. So. Let alone shooting an open gun yeah. inside <laughs> on a lane. It's just there's no fun, fun about that. Yeah, and like you know, I specifically ask when I go to the range. You know, put me in the bays that are, you know, least crowded, because I don't want to scare off you know the guy taking his girlfriend on a date shooting guns for the first time and. I'm sitting there with a Comp 9 Major gun, you know, just blasting away. You know, people don't like it either. No, no. It's obnoxious. So anyway, like, I really, I kind of, when I revisited um, the whole trying to become more accurate and really working on the fundamentals, like, I found out that when you're forced to shoot down a lane or for, like, just shoot indoors and be static, it really allows you to dial in and really isolate the drills and the things you need to do in order to get that done. Like when I'm training outside now, whenever I go train, like if I have the ability to do transitions and distance change ups with multiple targets, I do that. So you, I'll never find myself training outside doing static trigger, like trigger control stuff, um, doing stuff that I'd be only doing on one, one target. Yeah. I always find myself doing more dynamic, always doing movement, always taking a chance or taking time to like work on the stuff I have the ability to work on in the environment I'm allowed to work on it. So being outdoors, you run around. Definitely makes if sense. You're, if you're stuck indoors, then really isolate your, your, you know, what you can, can't do. And don't get down on about it. Like, don't get upset. Like, oh, I got to go shoot indoors. Yeah. You we know, definitely had those moments a lot. You know, it's especially for chrono. Like, I, you know. Croning indoors always a mess. Oh, I can't. Yeah, that, I that's, just, that's I just like, don't chrono ammo. <laughs> just don't. Yeah, just don't chrono indoors. I've seen a lot of bad things happen. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, use the infrared chrono. Yeah. That works all the time. No, oh, I see a oh, hundred feet per yeah. second well, difference. Your gun shooting at fifteen fifty feet per second. That doesn't sound right. Well, the Doppler actually works indoors. Right? <laughs> it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's also like four hundred dollars. It was about five, F, like five power factor off. You know the lab radar. Yeah. Um, but. Again, chrono outside, it's easier to do so. Oh, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so going back to, you know, you, you mentioned drills. So, I mean, you know, wh- what's your bread and butter when it comes to drills for indoors? Yeah. And I think Chris and I have a different approach to it because Chris and I do a lot of, um, we do like a lot of doubles, practical accuracy, build drills, stuff like that. And I know you have a slightly different approach. So, like, what I do is I put up a USPSA target. Um, there's a bunch of different targets you can put up. But... I mean, in different combinations. Some people use plates. Some people use different stuff. But I like to use USPSA targets, like just normal, not like half size or quarter size or one-third size. I like to use normal targets. And I hang them. And, I mean, every indoor range is different. The way you can, like, orient the target, hang the target, whatever you can do. But just get that target up so you can get it downrange. Um, what I like to do is I'll sometimes I'll put open targets, just a slam open USPSA or IPSC target up. I prefer IPSC, but um, it doesn't matter. Whatever your target is, I put up a full size. And if I want to work on distance, I'll throw the dis- I'll throw it out there all the way to 25, 30 yards, 45 yards. I mean, if you're if I'm on the 50 yard um, bay, mm-hmm. yeah. Then uh, if I want to make it more difficult, what I'll start doing is adding hard cover 
on it. Like, I mean, it's easy. You take duct tape and you spray paint one half. I'll do like horizontal. I'll do tuxedos. I'll do, um, yeah, well, horizontal or tuxedo. That's really yeah. <laughs> just uh-huh. when you're doing hard covers, but like, you know, or half size from the chest up, but really I don't mess around with doing dots. I don't really mess around doing that kind of stuff. I mean, I just don't like, I, I there's tons of people out there that do it and a lot of people that love it. Mm-hmm. It's just not one of my things. Um, maybe I'll get into it at some point, but I don't know, shooting an open gun, like at the distances that yeah. most dots drills yeah. are done. Like I'm aiming over top of the dot. And so I just hate like having to aim over the top of the dot to do an effective, an effective drill. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? I might come up with my own drill, my own type of dots, but mm. not dots. Maybe I'll do squares. How's well, that you, you can just do dots a little further out, then you can mitigate the offset. Yeah. And I'm going to call it squares. And make yeah. it squares. <laughs> Triangles. Triangles are much harder. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can change the orientation. Yeah. Spades. <laughs> a lot, lot of options. I'm going to turn the circles upside down. Yeah. Something else. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, the, the focus on fundamentals, you mentioned that it's it's been doing you a lot of good. Oh, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's crazy. Because like when I had that really bad match last year, um, I suffered like, I don't know, it was like 13, 14 mics. And it was uh-huh. like, oh, scared. I mean, like dr- flying home, it was like, oh, it was just, it was atrocious. Well, knowing that six months later, I'd have to go back to the same state <laughs> to shoot the same hard match all over again with the same, like with tech, more technical target arrays and stuff of that sort. I was like, all right, I got to really figure this out. And it's crazy the amount of just over those six months working on the fundamentals, really working on the trigger prep, learning how to find the wall of your trigger, not yanking the trigger, pulling straight back. And like, you know, it seems basic. And I mean, I'm a GM and once you become a GM, everyone thinks you got to figure it out. No, it's super far <laughs> from it. Like you quite know, the opposite oh, it's, for, it's, for a lot of people. Right. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, like you, you, like I had to go back and rewrite like my mindset on how to do everything. And I talked to so many different guys, like, how are you doing this? Like, like on the 25 yard partial, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you like? Some guys are like, Oh man, I really cranked down on the grip. Some guys like, you know, I find the wall, of the trigger, and then I pull it straight through. Cause once you find the wall, then you're, you know, as soon as you pull the trigger or pull it through, you know, if you've already found that wall, then the bullet's going to go where you placed it. They were like hypothetically. Hypothetically. hypothetically yeah, if you're not going to push. Yeah, I, I know Chris is yeah. a little... Um, I, I've definitely found the wall and my shots did not go where Well, I your grip it. is bad, so... Well, but, you know... You have tiny well, then, so, so Right, right. So, so outside, when you're training all these different transitions, all this different stuff... It's a lot you're not worried about your. You're not worried about your... Like, you're worried about your transition speed. You're worried about your distance change-up. You're worried about different stuff, but you're not, like, really concentrating on your grip. Mm-hmm. When you isolate and you put a target out there and you're only putting two rounds on the target each rep, it really allows you to, like, really dig deep into your grip and really see, like, you know, what works, what doesn't. Yeah. And being relegated to only being able to do that, it kind of forces you to, like really like pay attention to the small things so so like the the negative that a lot of people see in indoor shooting is actually you've turned into a positive because without having like a dynamic environment you've been able to like isolate like the very bare bones of practical shooting oh absolutely absolutely and a lot of people i'll tell you what um since i started training people they i always ask people like what what are your goals like what do you like to do and like what do you what what's your hopes and dreams for this sport whatever you do and of course they all say i want to become a gm it's like okay great how do you do that well i mean it's all fundamentals mm-hmm. i mean as much like everyone wants to like be really fast really efficient in movement get from point a to point b very quickly um but that's great but i mean you know 
yeah, keeping the gun up and running the gun, that's that's fantastic. That's a whole other, you know. But that all has to be blended in with. It all has to be blended know, in, and like when you're, shooting. yeah, once you get to a shooting position, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you're applying fundamentals. Yeah. So like when like when I tell people, all right, well, you know, this is my schedule. This like, what's your schedule like? And oh, lo and behold, the only time we can train is going to an indoor range. People get upset, and people are like, oh, I really wanted to work on tra like on transitions, or I really wanted to work on moving. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, let's go, let's just do an hour at the indoor range, and come to find out, I put them through a bunch of paces. And a bunch of different, um, you know, targets, like just a bunch of different little scenarios and a bunch of different drills, and their fundamentals suck. And you're like, okay, well, I'm glad we didn't go out and do like a, yeah. a run around because, I mean, if you can't hit a target standing still, then what are you going to do when you're running a gun? Yeah, hits close to home. Oof. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the truth. And a lot of people go, oh, man, like when they leave the indoor range after an hour, they're like, oh man, I didn't know I had to work on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like this is like really eye-opening. And like, I really, what I try to do is really isolate like what they're doing, how they're prepping, how their draw is. And it's just, you know, what's funny is like, when you go to the indoor range and you like, let's say your draw, you're working on that. You push the target out to 20 yards. A lot of guys cut their draw time and like they, they double their draw time. Yeah. Like their draw time ends up being like a second and a half and I ask him first off, I'm like, okay, I put an open target at 10 yards. You, you know, you get that sub-second draw. I put it at 25 yards. Now your draw is 1.5 seconds. What changed? Like, why are you doing that? And uh -huh. like, people don't even realize that. And you know, and that's just from like re recording them right there in mm -hmm. a bay. You know, and that's stuff that people don't like just overlook all the time. And it's stuff you're, you can do outside, but it's also something you can do inside. Easily. You know, it's yeah, one, probably and, the yeah. easiest. And, you know, one thing I noticed at the majors we've been shooting this year so far is there's a lot of opportunities where you'll probably gain a lot by being able to draw on a far target. You know, oh, absolutely. They absolutely. give you that presentation all the time in a start Well, position. it's a confidence builder. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, I mean, if you, and if you can confidently shoot a target, a hard target at distance, I mean, if you think about it, like, like one of my main goals – big goals that I have for myself is to increase my split times on far difficult targets. Um, I watch some of the top open shooters shoot and their split times are, are fan are they're, they're crazy fast, but I also, I'm realistic and I compare their splits to like a stage. And then I look at their stage results to see how bad their hits were. And like, don't get me wrong. You'll see like some shooters go really, really, really fast through them. And you're like, Oh man, I wish I could shoot that fast. But, and then you go on their results and you'll see that they have, they do have deltas. Uh -huh. So what you're going to do is I'm going to turn around and like, you know, go back and reevaluate. And I go, I want to work on increasing my splits because that's going to make a big difference over time. And that's something I can just do indoors. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like, I don't have to like do that outside. I don't have to like, you know, that's something that like I can isolate there in, this huge goal that I have doesn't need, like, I don't even have to step foot outside on dirt or gravel or whatever your yeah. outdoor range is in order to achieve this big goal that I've set mm -hmm. for myself for this season. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I don't get upset when I'm like, oh, I gotta go indoors. So be it. It's air conditioned. Yeah. It's like, a lot closer for us, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. I don't gotta drive an hour and a half. Fantastic. Yeah, especially during the winter where, you know, it gets mm -hmm. humid. I think during the winter time or? is like, Oh, Chris winter time's like nice, but during the summer yeah. when it's yeah. hot and you're just like you've been working outside all day because uh -huh. that's what I do, like you get to go inside and it's gonna you get to be air conditioned. You're like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. And I li listen to music while I shoot, and it's just I don't know, it's therapeutic. Yeah. I, th I think Chris and I both work indoors for a living, so if we can transition from air conditioned office to air conditioned range with an air conditioned car, we'd really be the winners here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, 
I get that. Yeah. And, you know, with a lot of the people that you go take to train indoors, you know, I guess for everybody listening, you know, what's probably the, the one thing that you see is always the, the common denominator of what's the weakest point for some of these people? I think it's their draw. Yeah? I think their draw is like, um, like one of the biggest things is guys, they, they, when they draw the gun, they don't, the way they mount the gun is sporadic. You don't like when you have that support hand come over to grab the gun and to mount up, it's not in the same place all the time. And so you'll actually find guys and like ultimately like at the end of the day, if you're not mounting the gun, like early, like I, I like to mount the gun. I bring my hand over across my belly and like get on the gun, wrap it in. Yeah. So about three quarters of the way up, I've already started prepping that trigger. I'm already getting ready to find that wall. So as soon as that, that gun is up and it's presented, I can I can pull through on the trigger mm-hmm. and get my get my shot off. Well, a lot of guys, what they end up doing is they don't get their support hand on the gun. They don't. By the time they get the gun up, they're just cr- like just ratcheting down their hands. Then they feel behind, and then they yank the, the trigger pull, uh. and then they have a bad hit, and then they go, "Oh man, I just I yanked the trigger on that one." Well, yeah. ultimately, it was the fact that you felt behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you felt behind, then you try to rush everything else behind. Well, on top of that, I, I know for a fact there are some instructors out there. I think this comes from a training issue. Um, there are a lot of instructors out there that like to say, start bringing the gun, your, your grip together, like where you naturally clap your hands, which I, is, and like, I've seen a lot of people say that and that's, and I have to agree with Dave, that's entirely wrong. Yeah. You want to build the grip as soon as you can. So you as can have a good as presentation. I get that gun right? out, as soon as I get that gun out of that holster, I mean, as soon as your body type allows you to get over as fast as you can't get that left, your that support hand over, um, you're just going to be money ahead. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to hear, though, because, you know, the draw is the one thing that we usually work on the most at home. Yeah, it um, is. And it's funny because it's only like we only do it six times in a match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because, I mean, like ultimately, I mean, we'll talk about like at home drive our training another time, I guess. But yeah. like it, it's just people get stuck on the draws, but the draw is very, very, very important. Um, I don't think I have the fastest draw out there and I'm OK with that. Um but the draw kind of sets the st- sets the stage, well, sets the stage, sets the tone for the stage you're about to shoot. Yeah. And if you get off on the wrong foot or you have a bad grip, it kind of sticks with you to like at least a quarter of the way to halfway through that stage sometimes. So, yeah. so you'd say, would you say it's less so having a really fast draw? Is more you just want a repeatable draw, even if it's like a second and a half draw? Because like take Cody Baker for instance. You've seen him shoot. He does not have a fast draw. Yeah, he's he's pretty slow on like on bringing the gun up, but he's still you know he's won nationals before. He's an excellent shooter. Oh, absolutely. And I right? I, I think so I think as long lot. as you can repeat the result and you can like as long as you're going to set the pace, that's going to be the pace, right? Absolutely. You'll be okay, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you need to be up there with the best of the best. I mean, you're not you can't have a slow draw, but let's be real. Like you're really. You know, you're splitting hairs when you're getting down to that second draw time. Um, what are you really gaining from it? Now, if you're on a really fast speed, like, you know, a speed shoot, fantastic. You know, that you need that speed there. Yeah. Or, yeah. like, you know, on a speed shoot or whatever you call it. But, you know, but on a field course, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. the difference between two seconds or, a, or two-tenths of a second draw or three-tenths of a second draw. like it's peanuts, right? Oh, it's peanuts. You're going to make it yeah. up in your efficiency. I mean, you you watch Cody shoot, and Cody, I mean, he's just... He just burns it. Yeah, and he's like, the gun's ready to go at all times. Yeah. So, it's just one of those things that he's making up for it in other places on the stage. Yeah. So. 
So as long as you can find the time or the the skill where you can displace a slower draw, oh, you can generally make up for. Because mm-hmm. um, not to toot my own horn, I plays very well. I, I think at, at South Carolina, I do not draw fast. I have like a one and a half second draw on a twenty-five yard or maybe fifteen yard target. I have a slow draw. Yeah, Keanu won limited M, so he did place pretty well. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. But like, it's just you just want to make sure. So like, if you if you feel rushed through the draw and you mess up the draw, you, you mess up the first and second shot. You just want to make sure it's something that you're going to be able to recover from. So you don't want to just you know you have two bad shots and you just burn the stage down well, and yeah, you just trash it. Don't, right? Don't risk your entire stage on a crap draw. Which a lot of people do. Everyone does it. Everyone yeah, does this, this crazy draw. Like you do crazy draws. Like you, you. I mean, let's be real. Like at South Carolina. There were a bunch of uh, there were quite a few stages that really did have you. I mean, draw the gun right away and straight oh, yeah, up for sure. There were there were very few stages that actually had you start in a position where you had to like move over to another position, yeah, or to move to another area to shoot the target like your first target. Yeah, but that's um, like a common thing you see at a lot of majors. You have a lot of like offset start positions, so like the draw a lot of it is absorbed in the in the draw. Yeah, like yeah, or, you, yeah you have you, the movement you, absorbed absorbs the draw, right? right? So the draw is more or less an irrelevant factor. It's right. the positioning and the presentation that's going to make the bigger difference into yeah. that position. And, you know, especially shooting open, you know, you, you mess up your grip on that draw and your dot's doing a bunch of funny stuff. You're pulling your gun off target way too fast. You're pulling, you're breaking your second shot at the wrong time. It's, it's a mess. You know, yeah. The, well, the and another, so another thing, like as far as like your, your draw goes, I think one of the biggest things about making sure that your draw's okay, and we're kind of gotten off in the weeds at this point, yeah. first, like, you know, for your indoor training, but indoors what you can do like you can practice having you know if you do have a bad draw what it takes for you to correct it in that time how fast like don't necessarily just stop the stop the rep Mm -hmm. continue through the rep get the good hits on target and then look at your timer see like how much you really suffered all right so sorry guys we just had some technical difficulty uh technical difficulties so uh we're on a different mic setup but going back to indoor training we kind of sidetracked a little bit yeah with that being said i mean we there's still tons of stuff and we kind of got off on a little tangent on the, (laughs) on the whole draw thing. But at the end of the day, don't get discouraged about training indoors. Be, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can practice. There's a lot like, for instance, strong hand weekend. Um, a lot of people neglect that when you get to a match, a lot of people just, that just try to get through, you know, the strong hand weekend portions. Well, go figure at an indoor range. uh, That's one thing you can really train at and get, very proficient at and those are points that you can suck up um you know yeah very easily. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. well no I mean you know I used to call them survival stages you've yeah. heard me talk about it yeah well you, you know? don't want to have to just survive exactly you want to like those are points like let everyone else screw up on those stages and if you've done what you need to do you can you know there's a lot of points to be had yeah, so you turn it from a survival stage into like a, a stage where you can take a lead on. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And like at major matches, like when there's the difference between first place and third place is 10 points, uh, at strong hand weekend stage is, it can definitely put you above. Yeah. yeah. Or that one stage was like 30 yard half no shoots. Yeah. Like it's, or like it's South Carolina. Yeah. And I think I was um, watching videos from Area 6. Was it Area 6 or Battle of the Bluegrass? Um, you had to engage like the like six targets offhand, like weekend only or something. That's yeah, that, that that was area six. Yeah, yeah, and, that's awesome. I love that. And so you know, it it comes into play, but again, indoors is the perfect place to practice it. Absolutely, right? absolutely. It forces you to do stuff that you would not normally do in an outdoor setting, and I think it's you know you can really concentrate on the areas. Like just think about it. Like 
think of the thing you don't want to practice the most, like the thing you hate practicing, and more than likely you can do that inside. Yeah, strong hand we can. <laughs> there it is, and then you can get very proficient at it and practice it until you like it, and then practice it until you prefer it. And then with that being said, I mean, they're, they're, those points are yours. And then it not only does it increase, the, you know, your odds of winning a match or doing very well, what it does is also increases your, um, how, how do you want to put it, like, uh, in, increases your, uh, I don't know, Oh, up. That's not the right word. Uh, I got the dog in my lap. Hey, how you doing? Um, it, it makes you feel empowered. Like you can, you know, you're going to do very well. Yeah, yeah I guess I it, it'll give you confidence. Yeah. It's a confidence. That's exactly what I was going for. There it's you a, go. It's a confidence. Can't words. It's a confidence. He can shoot, but he can't words. I can't words right now. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, I mean, what it's going to do is it's going to allow you, you know, finish up stage. Because a lot of people, they get done shooting a strong in weekend stage, and they just get, they're just super oh, down themselves. Yeah, yeah, it just, it's, like, it's it ruins, is, ruins the mojo. Yeah, and then, you know, it's just like golf, you know, if you if you do poorly, you're walking up to the next stage, it gets in your head, and then before you know it, you're throwing bad shots, and you're doing dumb things, so. Yeah. So, yeah. We've, we've talked about indoor practice a little bit. How do you feel about indoor matches? Because I know, like, there are three or four in this area. So, and they're, you know... I think, like, as far as indoor matches go, um, there's there's definitely pros and cons. Obviously, shooting indoors, especially shooting an iron-sided gun, it's very hard to see your optic. Oh, it sucks. So <laughs> hard to see your optic, or optic, your fiber um, at that. I mean, God forbid you're shooting just black sights. Oh, that's... Yeah. I don't even know yeah. what you do with this. This is where night sights are going to have their best tactical yeah. application. Um, but the, but then the other downside is most indoor matches happen in the evening after you've worked an entire day and you're fatigued. And a lot of people get upset. Like, they don't, they don't shoot the best they can just because, I mean, when you compete in a sport and you want to compete the best you can, you don't compete when you're, when you're tired. You compete after, after a good night's sleep. You compete... After you know you've made ready, you've you have like a, like when we go shoot matches, like we you have a system of things you do before you go to the match. Chicken and that, for breakfast, and that always happens. Yeah, it's always in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? After you got a good night's sleep, you don't work an entire workday, twelve hours, and then go shoot a match and expect yourself to like be like perfect, be on point. Like yeah. I can just tell, like you know it, that feeling in the back of your head where you're just you feel like you're fatigued, the sights aren't lining up, you know your arms aren't aren't quite there stuff just doesn't quite line up i mean you know that's one of the downsides to shooting indoors and having indoor matches but the positive to having an indoor matches you know you get to shoot you, you get to shoot during the week yeah 99 of the time they're during the week sometimes it's you know in the evenings on the weekends but anyway i mean you get a chance to shoot during the week i mean that's that's a pro i mean a lot of guys can push away you know drink a red bull drink an energy drink mm-hmm. drink some coffee yeah. stay up the rest of the night shoot a match i don't know maybe you just I don't know. Sometimes I like to shoot a match at like seven o'clock and then stay up till twelve o'clock at night, <laughs> and wait for the results to post. Yeah. If the match director feels like they're going to post the results that night. And again, and, you know, off season it's also great for off season. Oh, know? it's fantastic, especially when it's cold. Especially up here. I mean, we don't really have a bad off season as far as weather goes. I, I mean, mean, it's practically turned non-existent. Yeah. Like anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This this winter, I think we had, or this past winter, we had like what three weeks of stuff that where you couldn't shoot in it. Like it was just that cold. And we all, you know, weather cancellations and 
Oh, exactly. We got a whole like eight inches of snow this year. <laughs> yeah, it was like nothing. We didn't get anything. So it was fantastic. So it allowed us to feel like we were southern shooters, kind of, but um, without that, you know, being in the south and all. Well, I guess technically we are in the south still. Geographically, we were in the south. Um, yes. All other factors, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Northern Virginia's. I, I swear, like. Well, it's warmer than Pennsylvania. That's for sure. I don't know. They gotta like. They gotta move that Mason Dixon line down right, yeah. there, right below Northern Virginia. <laughs> that's because I mean Mason Dixon line now, Manassas. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's where the Mason Dixon line really is. But um, anyway, like with that being said, that's one of the pros of having an indoor matches. I mean, like it's you don't have to worry about the weather. Um, it's not weather dependent. Um, you don't have to. You know, your, the matches do fill up. The, the the entry fees are about the same, but the nice thing more is, usually. Yeah, actually, the entry fees because there's more. way more overhead to cover. Because I know for um, for those who don't know, I, I run the nest at Machine Gun, uh, or I run the match at Machine Gun Nest with a, a friend of mine, and it's thirty five dollars for an entry fee, um, which is I have to say, the most expensive match in the area. It's five dollars more than the most expensive match in our uh, section. Um, and then I think NRA charges forty dollars. Now they do, and yeah. they still fill up. Oh yeah, because yep. like people are just hungry for the opportunity to shoot in this area. So like that really just goes to show like they they need to see the advantage in training indoors. I guess when you're shooting like thirty dollars worth of ammo, what's five more bucks for entry fee? But that's like a sixty. <laughs> that's like a sixty-five dollar match total, right? Yeah. Like, like if you really think about it. Yeah, and what do you get in return for it? You pay to play. But that's you know what, what I also noticed is a lot of the matches you get the you get the guys who are you know working, you know working day jobs. They've got families mm-hmm. that they can't shoot on weekends. So yeah, usually you know it's like the Tuesday night or the Sunday night's the only chance they get to shoot. Yeah. So we we get a lot of cops and like blue collar people mm-hmm. just because of the nature of their job. Yeah, and they like a lot of those guys have to work weekends and everything of that sort. So I mean. Yeah, it is nice to be able to still come out, compete in the sport that you love, and you know continue with your normal day job or yeah. weekend job for that fact. You don't need to sacrifice as much. Nope. And it's only for like a, like matches, indoor matches, like a couple hours a night, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, back to indoor practice too, right? You I mean you could practice late at night if you need to, or you know however long until yeah. the gym is open. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, so I mean, we're getting that time of year where it's getting where it's staying lighter longer, but. I know, like, during the winter, like, when it's getting dark at 5, oh, my goodness, like, I get off work at 5, 5.30. Yeah. You're just, like, well, what am I going to do? When can I train? And let's be real, how much draft are you really going to do? Yeah. Like, you can only, like, how much draft are you going to do before you go mad? Yeah. Like, okay, so you need to get out there and actually shoot the gun. Yeah. And so with that being said, like, you know, you're going to go to indoor range. You have the ability. There's lights, mm-hmm. which is wonderful, something you always need when you're shooting a gun. Yep. And so, you know. Being able to shoot inside, being okay with doing that. I mean, you, you know, some people get stuck on the fact that they're once again shooting indoors. But you know, if you are passionate about the sport, you're going to continue training no matter what your conditions are, whatever the cars you're dealt. Mm-hmm. And for us, like you know, I still feel like we put up a competitive. You know, we go to nationals. We still put up competitive results and everything like that. But even like even with the restrictions that we deal with from year to year, we don't have the opportunity to shoot all year round outdoors or even have outdoor night matches like they do in some of the southern regions. Yeah. Um, I wish we could shoot with stadium lights at like awesome. 9 o'clock at night. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But we, we, it, we don't get that no, uh, opportunity. No, we, do, we don't. And I mean, it, it just, once again, we you know, you work with what you got and that's the biggest hurdle that most guys have to get over is just 
be, being okay with, with doing what they got to do in order to, to become better. And I think if more people rework their head and re like, and change their mindset on, you know, indoor training and really isolate the stuff that they need to get done in order to progress, you know, you can change it around. You really can. Yeah. And it actually goes along with like people that have injuries. And I guess this is a kind of another topic that, you know, we could discuss another time, but there's a lot of guys I know that have, you know, injuries that like, whether it's ankle knees, um, even, you know, elbow injuries, you know, you, a lot of those guys don't like to go all the way out, all the way out, like to a, a range or something like that. If they're relegated by, you know, their body's limitations. Yeah. Let's say, I mean, they're healing up and they got that, you know, let's say someone just came off a knee surgery. There's a lot of guys, a lot of shooters out there that have had knee replacements or have, you know, arthritis or stuff like where it really limits their ability to, to perform and they, or they need time to recover. Well, you go to an indoor range, you can still get what you need to get done um, in, in somewhat comfort and you can kind of, you can still do the drills you need to do and while letting your body recover and you don't feel like you have to push yourself. Like, I mean, I, I can only tell you like, you know, I have Achilles tendonitis in my left heel. So like when I go to an outdoor range, like I always feel like I need to do a lot of movement. I need to do a lot of this different stuff. I need to be dynamic. Well, at the end of that, you know, rain session, my Achilles is like, okay, like you done yet? Yeah. Like, but I always feel like I have to like get that movement in because I'm out at that mm -hmm. range. If I, you know, if I'm going to indoor range, it's like, well, you, you can't do that movement. So it's, it's, it's one of those things you kind of help, you help yourself even though you're not like, you don't really know it. Yeah. It's like the restrictions <laughs> help you focus on certain things. Yeah. Like, and then know. also like, you know, it allows people to do, you know, certain, like I have a lot of guys that, that have injuries that more or less like they, they wouldn't be shooting unless they could go inside. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. That makes sense. So. Uh, but yeah, we're we're a little long on time today, um, but you know, overall it just sounds like you know for us you know indoor is what we got to work with and you know we do the best we can, and uh, David's giving us some really good points on you know what the things that we can work on. Um, Keen, any ending thoughts? No, I just now I know like I just have a different perspective on my training now, because normally I just show up to the range and just do a bunch of doubles drills, which I think have been helpful, but I think now I can break down a more refined indoor practice so. Definitely going to be taking all this into consideration. Yeah. Uh, well, David, thanks for you know joining us today. Absolutely. Glad um, to be on. Glad and everybody, be on. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the CSRG podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Keanu. Uh, David Wobbler. <laughs> Shoot well. We'll see you on the range. That'll all work. right. I got to go home.